Welcome to Behind the Wall with Eric Levine. I'm your host, Eric Levine. So it's been a couple of weeks uh, since I've done a podcast. Been a little bit crazy here with reopening and um, getting this universe of uh, 317 Main Street back to its uh, rolling thunder and uh, excitement. So I'm going to uh, jump back in, start to do some more podcasts, which is now available um, on iTunes. I just found out Apple Apple. Uh, yeah, on Apple iTunes, no, on Apple uh, Podcast, um, on Spotify, which is really cool. I didn't know it, it just popped up. And it's uh, Behind the Wall um, with uh, Eric Levine. So if you haven't found it, it's on there now. And I think all the other episodes are there as well. So I'm going to jump right into it. I did a podcast uh, about a month ago about opening up a restaurant. It was part one of the idea of opening up a restaurant. Talked about the why. So I'm going to start with part two of opening up a restaurant with, do you have your why? Do you have your why you should be opening up a restaurant, why you want to open a restaurant? Um, And it always comes back to the need. Is there really a need for what you want to do? It's always fun to create and to... um, you know, create your your vibe of what you want to do. But is there a need? Once you recognize that and you can confirm that and you know it, uh, then you can start on your business plan. This is a massive undertaking. This is very important. Uh, you know, a business plan is really your layout of what you're going to do, how you're going to do it, who the players are. Uh, what your goals are financially, uh, because let's face it, it is the restaurant business and every single penny counts. Uh, So you have to have a business plan. You have to understand what your business is going to generate in order for you to understand creating a P&L and creating projected sales. Um, Really important to have forecasts. So you can take a look at different restaurants locally, uh, get a, a vibe of what they do as far as sales, uh, some people are willing to talk, some people aren't, but you can take a generalization and, and look at, you know, a busy night in a 100-seat restaurant, they're going to flip one and a half, two times, two and a half times. Uh, you, you know, you'll have to do all your due diligence to make sure that you recognize what is actually going on there. Uh, you got to know your area. You got to know who the competition is. Do you fit? And I'm going to give you a perfect scenario. Um, my new restaurant, uh, almost a year old in September, uh, 317 Main Street, uh, there was a niche for what we were doing. Uh, there was no restaurant, event space, music venue uh, like what we have. Uh, everything was in the area is very myopic in a sense of they have their focus. So you have a Mexican restaurant. Uh, you have an Italian restaurant, you have a Dominican restaurant, you have a steakhouse, you have a sushi bar, uh, sushi restaurant, you have a Thai place, uh, you have a burger joint, mm, all over the place. The One of the great things that, that we did is is we formatted a restaurant that offers it all. And we don't put a menu item on that doesn't make sense or we can't execute well. Uh, we make sure that we, you know, dot every I. Uh, cross every T, we taste, uh, we check, we last ask our customers. So we're very lucky in a sense of we created the perfect storm. So if you want to come in today for a great burger, we got you. Uh, you want to come in for a steak, we got you. Uh, you want ramen, we got you. And and everyone has very you know various taste buds. Uh, we also offer vegan and we also offer gluten free product for those who may have celiac. And it's an important thing. It used to be years ago where you went to a restaurant 
And if somebody came in and wanted to change the menu item, you know, as a chef, um, you had the option of saying no to a customer. And, and in this day and age, it's hard to do that. So what do you do? You, you pivot. You pivot to where the customers are looking to enjoy a different experience, be able to come with friends and family who have different taste buds. And, and that all has to come into your, your business plan. Um, you, you have to know your numbers. You have to know what you're, what you're doing. You have to have a focused plan of action. That's a very important thing. I'm going to talk about that as well. Uh, but you have to create the business plan step by step. Uh, once you've figured out the why, now you figure out the how. What is it that you need monetarily? What is the space that you have available to you? What are you willing to pay for rent? That all comes into play because you have to make sure that you can cover your nut. That is your rent. That is your taxes. That is your um, payroll. That is your expenses. Uh, new equipment, if you're buying new equipment. All these little things uh, that come into play. And there's a lot of data out there. There's a lot of information out there that the organizations like the Restaurant Association has uh, that they're willing to share. Um, and it's available, readily available. So they talk about percentages. Now, you know, when you're doing a business plan, you want to talk about dollars, dollars to the bank. No one takes a percentage to the bank. Uh, and here's a perfect example of that. We sell a tomahawk here for $110, right? Um, it costs us $49. And that, so what does that mean? That means we're taking a lot more dollars to the bank, but it's a higher food cost percentage. Um, it's about a 48% food cost if I did the number right. But we could sell a cocktail. Uh, that has a 10% cost, but we only charge $8. So yeah, the percentages make sense, but the dollars are what we're taking to the bank. So you can do volume, if you can get those numbers up there and, and do that consistently, you'll have massive dollars going to the bank. Uh, because again, you don't take you don't take percentages to the bank. Um, and, I, and I defy anyone to uh, show me anything different or change my mind, if you would. I'm always happy to learn. Um, so once you've figured out your, your business plan, uh, you really could go to the next step, and that is all the little details, your checklist, creating a checklist for your wares. But you know what? I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back to, to the uh, business plan. Because in your business plan, you have to really map out your business. So if you're going to take it to an investor or a bank, they want to know how they're getting their money back. They want to know what your plan of action is to execute. How are you hiring? Where are you hiring from? Um, what are you doing to make your business profitable, successful? Um, you, all those little things that come into play when you're trying to develop a business. You know, floor plans. Uh, you're going to have to decide on square footage and what, you're, what you'll pay for rent. What makes sense to you? What's the volume? Uh, sometimes bigger isn't better, and sometimes it is. Uh, we have 8,000 square feet here, and you know we're trying to make the best of every square foot uh, because we can't do catering, which is a massive blow to our business, and we can't do live entertainment, which is another massive blow to our business. So we have all this extra space, and now what we do, we just innovate. We use up the entire space uh, to put all our customers in, uh, and, and you just have to innovate. But that's the important thing. You have to understand what your business is, and you have to be able to pivot and react quickly to a, a doomsday scenario like we're in right now. 
So while while it'll be tough for me to go to my partners and say, hey, I have an idea for a concept, let's open up a new place with the current uh, environment, you have to have plans. You got to know. You got to know ahead. Uh, you got to know. You got to be ahead of the curve to be able to do that. You got to understand the numbers. You got to understand what the business is going to take. Uh, we spent hours and hours and days and weeks and months trying to make sure that we have covered everything from the china, the glassware, the silverware, the chairs, the tables. You know, uh, it, it, we had a, a five day discussion on. Uh, staining the floors, you know. Then once you figure out that stuff, then you start talking about service. You start talking about food. You start talking about beverage. Um, you know, we had a conversation about, a literal 45-minute conversation about duck tacos. Uh, sorry, duck quesadilla. And and one of the partners was not a fan of duck and couldn't wrap his mind around why can't it just be steak or chicken. So you have to think again about what you're doing. And, and you always I always brought the point up of, uh, great, we could do a chicken or steak if somebody asks, but we're not going to be me too. We're going to be me different. You know, there's a place down the block you can get a chicken quesadilla. If somebody comes in and wants that, of course we'll do it. As long as it's in our capability or we have the product in-house, I'll do it 100% of the time. Um, but you have to define who you are. And I never, ever allow it to be, yeah, me too. It's always me different or me creative or, you know, when I say me, I mean my staff. Uh, where we get our staff involved in cocktails and, and creating appetizers and burgers or whatever the specials could be, you got you to gotta let them do that. But throughout your plan, your business plan, you really have to know the nuts and bolts of your business, uh, what you're attempting to do. If you've never done it, you will need to hire a consultant to help you. Because this is unlike any other business with a million different moving parts. And if you don't comprehend what those parts are, you will screw yourself deep. It's like every doctor and lawyer that's come to me over the 40 years I've been doing this and would say, oh, I want to open up a restaurant. And I always tell them, like I said in the last podcast, uh, then just give me the million and a half dollars now. Because that's what you're going to lose. Because you're not educated enough. You haven't gone through it enough. Or hire me as a consultant. Which, you know. If anyone's listening to this, you want to hire me to consult, I come cheap. Um, well, not cheap. Nothing's cheap these days. But uh, the reality is, is that you have to have someone who knows the business. Um, you can't say, because I go out for dinner, I know the restaurant business. I've seen that. I've talked to people. It doesn't work. Uh, this is hard work. This is a labor of love. Uh, I'm very fortunate to have been doing it for a very long time, and it's what I know. And it's my passion. And... Passion only gets you so far. You have to have capability. You have to have a mindset. You have to have the ability to lead. You have to be able to put your ego to the side and also listen. So when a customer tells you, this sucks, you can't get all pissed off. Or an employee says, I hate working here, you have to listen. Why? You know, what did, what happened uh, that, that brought them to this situation? It could be them. It could be you. And if you can separate yourself from whatever it is, you'll have more success. It's like when a customer sends back a dish. My first reaction is, okay, what did we do wrong? Sometimes it's the customer. Sometimes it's a chemical reaction from what they're eating and drinking. Happened to me years ago in the first restaurant I opened up back in 93. Um, customer sent back the tuna, uh, tuna tataki. And the server came back said, chef, she said it was the worst thing she's ever had. So back then... Uh, my ego was a, it was 
massively big because I was winning a lot of wars. Stupid reasons, no excuses. Um, but I thought I mattered. And she sent it back. I made it again. She sent it back again. Now, this poor waitress came in. Um, her name was Renee. I remember it was like yesterday. She was hands were shaking with the tuna. She came back. She's like, Chef, I'm really sorry. It's not me. She said, she said it's the same thing. So me being the, the little psychopath that I was, I made another one I brought out to the table. And while I'm talking to the customer, um, because there were two other tuna tatakis at the table, I said, hi, my name's Eric. I'm the chef. I'm one of the partners. I understand this was the worst dish you've ever had in your life. And she said, it was just terrible. And I said, well, can you tell me what it was terrible about? She was like, it was overly spicy, um, just terrible. And there were two other people having the same dish. And I said, well, okay, they seem to be enjoying it. And as I'm talking to her, looking at what she's drinking, and I realized what she did. So I said, okay, well, here's, I just made a fresh one for you. I want you to try it again. But before you do that, I want you to have a drink of water, and then I want you to taste the tuna. And she's like, well, why would I taste the thing that's wrong for a third time? I said, trust me, if I'm wrong, your dinner's on me. So she drank the water. I said, okay, now have a piece of tuna. She took the plate, cut a little piece off. And she said, obviously, it's a fresh one you made for me. I said, well, we're not done yet. Hold on. I said, I want you to have a sip of your wine. And as she was drinking her wine, her face went from being this smug, condescending vibe to embarrassed and she drank it she she was like wow I said exactly I said what happened was you had a chemical reaction on your palate I said however if you had read the menu you would have seen the recommended wine or cocktail that would go with it and she's like oh I'm so embarrassed I said it's okay I said it's a lesson learned I said now you know I said but I expect you to come back and she actually became one of my best customers at that restaurant so you know again listen to your customers matter but going back to to the opening up of a restaurant, these are all little nuances, little pieces that will help you become successful or, or make your business um, what it should be. Uh, and it'll save you a lot of money. You, know, you also have to make sure that you have someone else look at your business plan or multiple business owners, restaurateurs in particular, um, that you trust to share this with. Because there are people out there who just, you know, they don't want to see you succeed. Um, I'm happy to share, I'm happy to listen, I'm happy to read and share my thoughts because I want you to succeed. That's my goal in life, make others successful. Um, I don't need anything, uh, you know, I'm, I'm good. So my goal in life is just to help others. You know, that's what this podcast is. I don't get paid for this. Um, I've had a, a few people approach me about uh, becoming sponsors, but, you know, it's not what it's about. I'm not looking for a money grab, I'm looking to help others. Uh, if there was a cost to it, I'd use them to offset the cost, but right now, um, not not necessary. So having that why, obviously the business plan, obviously uh, your budget. You know, once you understand what your what your business plan is, you know your square footage of the space. Now you got to figure out what it's worth per square foot and how many seats could you get in there. How big is the kitchen got to be? How big is your um, your storage space? What are the local laws? You have to really understand, do your due diligence and research on what's important because every state or city can be different. Every county can be different. What works in Nassau County doesn't work in Suffolk County. I found that out. Um, you know, all these little things. You know, you can have a surf safe certification and in Nassau County, they don't accept it. Suffolk County, they do. 
So you go back through the class again. But it's one of those things that you have to understand uh, what it is. You know, when you're, when you're, I'm going to talk a little bit about hiring. Um, but before I do that, I'm going to talk a little bit about projected sales. So what I've done is I, I create with every business that I do uh, a projection of sales. And that what is that? That is the ability to take a look at what I think we'll be able to do as a business, how many, um, how many seats we have, and do the math on that. The other thing I do is I take a look at what my expenses would be, what my overhead would be, my fixed costs would be, what my expected payroll would be, and create a projection based on that. Now, if I don't hit my projections, I have to look at the why. Why didn't we hit those numbers? Why were my costs higher? Uh, this day and age, with costs being as insane as they are across the board, adding different costs into it with the COVID protection and things that we have to do to make sure our staff and customers are safe, there's a lot more money that is spent on the protocol. Uh, but once you understand your foundational costs, and this won't be forever, but it's still there. So you could choose to pass it on to your customer or eat it as a business. And that's, you know, that could be a percentage that you need to pay extra bills. Um, but it's something that you have to decide as a business what you want, what you think is right for you. Once you do that, you have all your costs projected in the sale and you know, your sales projections, your labor projections. Uh, then you go into the hiring process. You know, we have to hire the right people. Um, it is a difficult thing. There's an art to hiring people, interviewing them, asking the right questions, uh, reviewing them, having them come back for a second interview, having other people interview them. So it's not just you listening to them. Uh, sometimes the desire to have someone who you think is amazing turns out that another person looks at them and thinks that they would be a wrong fit for you. And you have to understand that. You have to listen to that. Uh, everyone gives their best foot, you know, the, you know what they say, the, uh, the newest broom sweeps the best, right? So every time you bring someone in, they're all fired up and all energized, and uh, then all of a sudden you find out a little bit more about them based on their work ethic. And there's nothing worse than reading somebody wrong. Uh, I've done that thousands of times. I think I've learned some lessons, but, you know, people put the shiny shoes on at the first gig, and uh, you have to be able to look through that without being skeptical because you don't want it to be a negative experience for anybody. But it's a reality. It's the reality of hiring. So definitely having someone who is an HR-type person in your corner. And there's a lot of different organizations that can help you if you, don't, if you can't afford that and you just need someone to do background checks and things like that. Plenty of companies that are out there that are willing to help you. Um, check out their social media. See what they're about. Because people put a lot of different things on their social media that you may not agree with. Um, you know, you may not find what they do represents you very well. And at the end of the day, yes, uh, they are their own person and there is no censoring. We have a Second Amendment for that. Uh, but if it doesn't represent your, your business and who you are and your core values, then you need to reassess that. That's why it's always best to have two, three people meet with the person you think that would be a perfect candidate for the job. So with that, I am going to conclude this episode of uh, Behind the Walls with Eric Levine, and I will uh, be doing this a little bit more now frequently uh, so I could share this with all of you. If you haven't subscribed, please do so. Any questions or comments, uh, feel free to send it to me on my Instagram message, at Chef Eric L on Instagram. And as always, thank you so much. And fire it up.